A young woman's death leaves a whole lot of questions. And then we take a look at Seattle's haunted vending machine. Is there really a vending machine that is somehow a pocket to another dimension that can serve you drinks that were discontinued years ago? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's been it's been a pretty exciting day actually. A lot of a lot of weird events, but again, nothing like podcast worthy. Just a, an interesting day all around. But speaking of the podcast, let's go ahead and get started with this. Now, this story happened when I was on my break, and it definitely was something that I was going to cover. But it's one of those stories that I kind of had to wait till all the dust settled. Now, most of you guys probably know this. Um, there was a young woman named Sol Pius, Pius, Sol Pius, and what happened was the media was on alert, the police were on alert, more important than the media, that a young woman... Sorry, my nose is running so bad. I'm in that in-between thing. I get allergies really bad at the start of spring, and I have to find the right medical dose. And just a side note, I'll go in more detail on a future episode, but just a side note, Benadryl is considered the world's most potent hallucinogenic. If you take too much Benadryl, and that's not an endorsement, if you take too much Benadryl, you will have full-blown hallucinations. Things that people think acid and shrooms do, Benadryl actually does. It's very, very dangerous. And they said not only does Benadryl make you see things that aren't there, it will make things that are there invisible, i.e. cars. You'll look both ways, and you'll walk across the street, and then you're dead. You never, you don't see the car coming. You Full-blown hallucinations and objects disappearing from you. Again, I'm not recommending you guys taking it. I actually have an experience where I took too much Benadryl, but I'll talk about that on another episode. But anyways, you'll have to deal with my stuffy nose. I know my voice is a little weirder when I'm stuffed up, but what are you going to do? So, daily podcast. Got to do something. Soul Pious. The reason why she was in the media was that what the official story was, you had this 18-year-old girl, this teenager from Florida, who was obsessed with Columbine, who flew to Colorado right before the 20th anniversary of Columbine. And the schools were doing this thing. They weren't doing these things called lockdowns. They were doing these things called lock-ins, basically, where you would still go to class, you would still show up and go about your normal school day, but the school was all locked down. Normally, lockdowns, you're, like, stuck in your classroom. It's an American thing. I know I have a lot of international listeners, and they're like, what are you talking about? But in America, we have lockdown drills where everyone has to go to their class, you lock the doors, no one makes a noise, cover the windows, all that stuff. A lock-in drill, and the terminology may be something different, but a lock-in drill is you still are able to go about class, but you're just on high alert. Welcome to America, ladies and gentlemen. So... They had the schools in Colorado on this lot, not all of them, but in the, in the Columbine area in this lock-in uh, procedure. Now, she traveled up to Colorado on like a Monday, and they began searching for her. There were sightings of her. They said she's armed and dangerous, and they knew exactly what she was wearing. She's wearing like a dark top with camouflage pants. She went to a gun store and bought a shotgun and two boxes of shotgun shells, so now the authorities are super worried about what's going on. But on Wednesday... They find her body about like, I think it was like 11,000 feet up near this resort in the mountains. Self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. End of story. Or is it? And this is such an interesting case. Because what has come out is this. There's, There's actual facts that have come out, and then there are just weird connections to it. One, 
When she traveled to Colorado, she bought three plane tickets. She only needed one. She bought three plane tickets. And, and again, some of this information may change from the time that I read it to the time I'm reporting it to even the time that you're listening to it. Because new things are developing. But this all happened around, it was like, I think the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th of April. Because April 20th was the 20th anniversary of the Columbine shooting. So there's just a lot of odd details in this. They say she was obsessed with the Columbine shootings. That's what the media kept saying. But if you go to her website, which is dissolvedgirl.neocities.org, which is still up, the first thing you'll realize is the website, the whole website is set up to look like it came out of the 1990s. It's very nostalgic. Like, looking at it, I'm like, aww. Like, it just brings back the feeling there's these animated GIFs and stuff like that. And there's nothing really on the website to make it seem that she's obsessed with Columbine. So this was her personal website where she posted, like, song lyrics and stuff like that. Dissolved Girl is, like, a massive attack song. She was really into, like, Marilyn Manson and um, uh, the Deftones and all this stuff. All, like, this 90s-type music. I think the Deftones, Deftones and Marilyn Manson are still around, but you know what I mean. So she was really into that 90s feel. But not a lot of stuff of Columbine. There's a couple sketches of guns, and there's a sketch that may or may not be one of the Columbine shooters. It's hard to tell. So then they said, then the story was, whoa, 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 she said she told people she was obsessed with Columbine. She didn't put it on her website, but she was obsessed with Columbine in general. That's what she mentioned to her friends and family. Now, that may be true. We have no way to verify that. What the story is, is that when she went missing from Florida, her parents were alarmed because they felt that she had this obsession with Columbine. So they called the police. The police called the FBI. That's when they began tracking her. Because she used her real driver's license and everything to get the plane tickets to fly over. Then they know she went to a gun store where she showed her driver's license again. And got the shotgun and the two boxes of shells. So now they're really concerned. They begin kind of tracking her around. They find that she had gone to a gun forum site asking... How easy is it for an 18-year-old from Florida to buy a shotgun in Colorado? And people are like, oh, it's pretty easy. This is how you do it. But what, what they have realized is that when she went up to that resort, she went up to an area where no cell phones would work. She went up there early enough during the manhunt for her. The police believe she never even realized they were looking for her. So she wasn't like on the run. That's why she went up to the mountain. She just went up to the mountain. She took an, an Uber up there, and they said, here's the problem with it. She took an Uber up to a place where her cell phone wouldn't work in the middle of the snow. So there was no way for her to get an Uber back. She didn't bring a tent. She didn't bring a jacket. She had no supplies to stay in the snow, except for a duffel bag containing a shotgun and two boxes of shells. But So the police at this point, and you'll see a difference of opinion in certain articles, but the police at this point believe she traveled to Colorado to purchase a firearm, and to kill herself. She told the Uber driver she always wanted to see the snow. So she took an Uber up to a super snowy place. There, There is a lodge up there, but it wasn't open at the time. She took the Uber up there, wanted to be in the snow, and she killed herself. Tragic, tragic story. Now, is it possible that she took the Uber up there thinking the lodge would be open and she was kind of biding her time until the April 20th where she would go back to Columbine and revisit it 20 years later with a shotgun? Some police have said, oh, because see, the thing is the police put so much effort into trying to find her that if it turns out she just killed herself, people are saying, oh, well, then it was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. One of the official statements I saw from the local police was saying, well, she was kind of close to Columbine, but she was in a snowy mountain. 
So, I mean, kind of close relative. She was closer than if she was in India, maybe. But there's a key factor that when I was reading the stories, I didn't really understand. The 20th anniversary of Columbine is April 20th, 2019. That's a Saturday. So if you want to do a school shooting, Saturday is the worst way to do it. So I don't, that's what doesn't really fit with this story. Another bizarre element, and this might sound insensitive, but when I saw, when I was reading the article and they're like an 18-year-old girl from Florida is missing, she's presumed to be in Colorado, she's armed and dangerous, stuff like that. They show a photo of her. She clearly does not look to be 18 years old. She looks like she's in her late 20s, minimum. Now, of course, me, I know, I've met women in my life. I actually had a friend who was 23. She told everyone she was 29. And I finally asked her, I go, why do you tell people that? She goes, because no one takes 23-year-olds seriously. So you can age yourself up with the right makeup. It's possible. But there's all these little things. That was the first thing I was like, what? She's 18? That's weird. She's attractive. It's not like she was like, all monster woman. But you know what I mean? Like, she didn't look like she was in high school or just graduated high school. There was a big debate on 4chan about what had really happened. And some people were to the belief that it was some sort of sacrifice and it was this false flag and they were trying to take away our guns and all this stuff. And then the other group was like, no, she was probably a misguided person who probably did have a little bit of a fascination with Columbine but never planned on shooting anything. She just went up there and blew her head off the shotgun. It's an interesting story and it's one we're never going to really get answers for because even her, generally when people are doing planning weird things they will try to immortalize themselves on their website but it's just song lyrics it's really yeah it's just kind of a tragic story but then when i was researching it for this i came across some new information when she did the forum when she said hey i'm going to colorado i need to buy a shotgun it wasn't just one post she was interacting with these other users on this forum and they know it was her they believe it was her because the username on the forum was dissolved girl The same name as her website, same name as that song. And she's interacting with them. And she says, yeah, I'm going to go shooting with, I got friends up there. We're going to go shooting together. And I just kind of want to have a shotgun ready to go and stuff like that. Is it possible that her Uber ride to the snow wasn't to commit suicide in the middle of nowhere among the one thing she always wanted to see? Is it possible that she went there to go meet with other people to enact some sort of plan And she may have not have known there was a manhunt for her, because her cell phone wouldn't work way up there. But the people on their way to meet her certainly would have known there was a manhunt going on up there. So when they get up there, they realize that their plan's not going to work. Not only that, but everyone in the state is looking for this woman standing right in front of them. So what are you going to do? Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. No, And I think that the reason why I really wanted to cover this story is because it really, it's so easy to create a conspiracy theory out of a tragedy. It's almost too easy. What I just came up with, the thing about her meeting friends with guns up in Colorado, and just using that bit of information, I was able to weave this narrative. And yes, it is possible that that was, but it's highly, highly unlikely. I didn't read all of the forum posts on that gun site. They could have asked, oh, are you going hunting? And she could have responded just because she didn't want to say, oh, no, I'm hunting. Yeah, I'm hunting my own head. I'm going to kill myself. Instead of saying that, she goes, yeah, I'm hunting with some friends up there, blah, 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 blah. So it's easy, though, to just take little pieces of news information that we find and construct a conspiracy theory. It's frighteningly easy. 
And I know I barely pronounced that word, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just interesting because it shows how conspiracies grow and how easily they can be created. And why we have to be skeptical of stuff when we come across it. I think that this young woman, according based on what I read on her website, was depressed and she didn't think she had anything to look forward to. Pretty much in her own words, she was saying a lot of like she was saying a lot of that stuff on her website. I think she really did just want to see the snow, and it's easy to get a gun to Colorado. So I think all of those things combined, it just happened. Maybe she did want to go up there during the anniversary of the Columbine shooting, but that could have just that could have been a fluke. But either way, whatever the reason why she's dead. So yes, depressing, depressing topic to talk about on our Friday episode, but something I wanted to cover um, as soon as I could, and I was on the break when that happened. So the next story, though, is a lot more upbeat. Nobody dies. There's no anniversaries of mass casualty events. And it's funny because it's one of those conspiracy theories that I actually really got into, and I was actually kind of mad. Like, I was upset when I, when I discovered something about it. So let's go ahead... Oh, damn it, I was about to say Jason Jalopy, but that blew up. Don't worry, the Carpenter Copter and the Jason Jalopy are coming back. I just need to get the parts for them. Just need to get some parts. But for right now, let's go ahead and take the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. It's slow enough, and we're only going to Seattle. We're going to Seattle, Washington. So we don't need to get there super fast. We can take the slow route, which is every route in a Dirigible. We're just looking out the windows. Looking out the windows, seeing if we can see any Bigfoot walking around. So we're in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible, and eventually we see the city of Seattle. We slowly lower down to the city. Hope no one steals anything off the dirigible. Actually, what could you steal off a dirigible? Like, there's no tires or nothing. I guess you could just vandalize it and pop the balloon, and, and then we'd be stuck in Seattle. But we're actually landing in an area known as 10th and John Street. Actually, it's not an area. That's just a cross-section. But anyways, 10th and John Street. It's the Capitol Hill area is what it's called. Capitol Hill. And in this little neighborhood, in this quiet, unassuming neighborhood, is an old coca-cola machine from the 1970s and it is beat up it's completely trashed but it works so hey do you have any money i can borrow you got you got 75 cents that's how much it takes for soda here you got 75 cents okay so you give me 75 cents and i put it in my pocket and then i go do you have another 75 cents that's for later i have to do laundry so you give me another 75 cents we put it in now there's something interesting about this vending machine it's a real vending machine by the way something interesting about the vending machine you see there's a Label to press for Coca-Cola. Obviously, it's a Coke machine. There's another label that says Mountain Dew. Now, if you frequent Taco Bell often, there's two things you know. One, diarrhea is a very, very harsh thing to go through. And two, Mountain Dew is a Pepsi product. And there's actually a lot of restrictions where you can't have a Coke product and a Pepsi product served at the same location. Now, gas stations can do it and things like that, but generally, like a vending machine or a Taco Bell, they're about the same level of cleanliness. They can only have one or the other, but this machine has Coca-Cola, and it has Mountain Dew, it has some other flavors, and then it has a button, or actually a few buttons, labeled Mystery. Rumor says, now the machine does exist, and it does work, but according to Rumor, you press the Coca-Cola button, a Coca-Cola Classic comes out. And not just a Coca-Cola Classic, but a Coca-Cola Classic before it was called Classic. You see, when I was a kid, we just had Coca-Cola. 
And then someone decided to come out with a drink called New Coke. It was actually just they changed the formula to Coke. And nobody liked it. It was this huge flop. So then they brought back the original recipe called Coca-Cola Classic. And it's funny because that's actually a conspiracy theory too. The the conspiracy theory back then is they had Coca-Cola Classic. They wanted to change from like sugar to corn syrup or something like that. But they knew people would reject it. So for about a year or two, they sold a different drink called Coke. Everyone hated and wanted the old drink back. And by then, enough taste buds had changed. So when they brought back Coca-Cola Classic, it wasn't the same recipe. That was their goal all along, was to change that recipe. But they had to give it some time. So that's a conspiracy theory as well. But anyways, old Coke. Old Coke, but it's cold and fresh. The mystery buttons, you could get anything. You, you can, If you're lucky, you'll get like a Pepsi, um, maybe a Squirt, some Sprite. If you're unlucky, you'll get a Dr. Pepper or a Mr. Pibb or a Barks Root Beer, which I'm not a huge fan of that. But anyways, is it Barks? But it doesn't matter. Anyways, you don't know what you're going to get. Every time you hit the button, a different drink will come out. And, rumor says, some of those drinks have been discontinued for years. No one has ever seen anyone open up this vending machine. No one has ever seen anyone refill it. Ice-cold Cokes pop out of it regularly. In the area, it, it, from a, for a span of about 16 years, the earliest article I could find on this was in 2002. But most likely it was around before that and then just over time became newsworthy. It's not like it showed up one day and some journalist was like, I got it! Stop the presses! Haunted machine! Like, it would be an urban legend that was working in this neighborhood. And then some lifestyle reporter would be like, oh, I'm, that's, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to cover that. So people in the neighborhood know about it. People travel from other parts of Seattle to test it. Because you're like, really? It's a haunted machine? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we don't know who operates it. We don't know who collects the money. We don't know how the drinks get in there. But you put 75 cents in, a drink comes out. I was like, this is awesome. This is, this is like the most boring episode of X-Files, but it's still a real-life episode of the X-Files. It's still this machine that exists that defies what we know about the laws of vending machines and how they operate in the universe. There are certain things we know. You have to stock them. You have to take money out. Right? I mean, that's kind of, I guess that's all we know about vending machines. But anyways. So from the earliest article I found was in 2002. The latest article was in about 2018, July of 2018. And they all say the same thing. The story that I just told you. But there is one article, oh man, this made me mad. There is one article as I kept digging into this because I was like, hot dog, this is, this is the best story I've ever covered. This is real proof of something bizarre that you can visit anytime. One article in 2014 said, hey, we solved the mystery. Don't scroll down if you don't want it spoiled for you. And I thought, oh, it's probably a goofy picture. It's probably just nothing. And it is a photograph of two people in broad daylight stalking the soda machine. And I was like, no. No way. Mm -mm." I reacted like a 9-11 truther who finally realized that the jet fuel only had to weaken the steel beams, not melt them. Not melt them. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no. It's not true, man. The picture's not true. That was actually my reaction because I had spent so much time researching this and I came across that like after 30 minutes of looking into this. I pulled up a picture of the machine that I knew was real and I pulled up the picture of the person loading the machine and I'm checking out the background and I'm like, no, mm-mm. no, it's a different background. That's a different vending machine. It's not. And I looked at it and I was like, 
God damn it, it's the same vending machine in front of the because this it's in a kind of a rundown neighborhood. So it's very, very clear where it's at in both photos. And I was like, damn it. And then I was mad because some of the articles that I had read first were more recent, past 2014. Now the article that did expose it as mundane was um, like, a lo- again, a local newspaper. So it kind of makes sense that the other people didn't find it. But again, if you just type, if you just keep looking for Seattle Haunted Vending Machine, it came up. It didn't take me a ton of time to find it. At this point, the machine, oh, it's funny because at one point I found the machine is missing and I was like, the, gov- <laughs> the government took the machine, man. The government took it. They took it. And it's funny because in the first story when I was talking about being cautious of how we look at conspiracy theories that's why i kind of wanted to bundle these two together is because i am totally susceptible to it as well you tell me a good narrative and i will be like really but then that skeptical side of me or that inquisitive side of me makes me keep researching it and i'm like damn it i was more like god i wasn't just damn it i was i was like i was crushed not the orange crush like actually crushed like grape crush. So where does that leave us? Oh, the mach- let me finish up that story real quick. So the machine at this time is missing. Now, I should have been a little skeptical, and I don't know why I didn't pop up on it earlier, but the machine has a Facebook page, and then at that point I thought, well, maybe someone's running it. But you could figure maybe it's just a fan page. Maybe it's no big deal. Anyways, the machine's missing as of July 2018, and on the Facebook page it's like, I needed to go for a walk. And now they're hashtagging stuff like mystery machine on the move. Oh, and before that happened, the prices raised to a dollar and all the drinks became mystery drinks. See, the thing is, is like in the first instinct, when you saw it, you thought maybe it was just this abandoned vending machine in the middle of nowhere that was mystical or paranormal for some reason. But once the people started changing the price and putting like changing the labels in there, then you go, well, obviously someone's modifying it. But again, you think, if nobody in the area has ever seen anyone out here and it's been here for at least 16 years, then what's going on? Is the machine modifying itself? When it just disappeared, people are like, what? And then I realized, I think that obviously people in the area saw, if they could get a photo of these people refilling it in broad daylight, then obviously people in the area probably did see people refill it from time to time, but it was a fun urban legend for a wacky city of Seattle. But this is really what my takeaway was on this. The reason why I fell so quickly for it is because I believe that is where we will find the paranormal. I believe that the paranormal hides in the mundane. The speculative hides in the everyday. Because that is in plain sight. I used to have a job where I dealed with lots of cash. Lots of cash. and. You're dealing with pennies, you're dealing with notes, you're dealing with coins, you're dealing with all this stuff. Massive amounts of these things. And I thought, in the billions of coins that are out there in the world, a few of them are proof of alternate realities. Because if we look at the story of the man of Torred, who I covered a long, long time ago, man, that was like episode like 20, and he he supposedly traveled from an alternate dimension to our dimension, If someone is walking around and they shift realities and they have coins in their pocket and obviously if you handed someone a dollar bill and it had a picture of Mike Tyson on it, you'd be like, what? But 
when's the last time you looked at coins? Like, really looked at coins. Really looked at a penny or a nickel. Out of the billions of coins in the world, time travelers and people slipping through alternate dimensions, when they're in the middle of a city that they don't know how they got there or where they're at, and they need to go and use a vending machine, they're going to put those quarters in. And those quarters are going to be of a president who never existed in this reality. Or, in the case of a time traveler, a president who doesn't exist yet. And he was just a sloppy time traveler. That's where we'll find this stuff. And those coins just get tossed in the mix and with millions and billions of other quarters and they're constantly getting spent. But as I always dealt with all these coins, I thought, within the monetary system, if there is such a thing, especially alternate realities, more so alternate realities than time travel, but you can see that too. Definitely with alternate realities, within the monetary system, there would be, statistically, there would be proof of people coming from alternate dimensions to ours with a pocket full of coins and spending them. Especially if the shift is so small that the person entering our dimension doesn't realize they're not in their home dimension. They would just walk to the grocery store, buy some stuff, pull their coins out. And it wouldn't be until closer examination when you looked at that coin when you would be like, that is not a U.S. president. Who is Booger McFartface? Like, who is this dude? Like, we've never heard of this guy before. We probably should elect him because that's a kind of a dope name, but who is this dude? So that is what I mean by I think that the truly paranormal can hike, does hide within the mundane. A guy who shows up who's like, I'm from the future, there's going to be these great civil wars, I have this time, like John Teeter, but we have a lot of people like that. There's going to be these civil wars and I have to get this time machine and da-da-da-da-da. And they're posting stuff on the internet and they're doing like these like AR, ARG-esque things would be swept up by the government so fast they would disappear absolutely disappear every trace of them would disappear but if someone came to the past and kept a low profile and was going about their business but was sloppy with what they were doing wearing clothes that are not made yet and leaving a jacket behind at a restaurant someone like picks it up and they're like what blue ivy has her own clothing line she's like three and i actually think she's a boy i'm not for sure but anyways that would be the giveaways it would be in stuff left behind that we leave behind every day. Lint from pockets that is made up of material that hasn't been synthesized yet. Things like that. That's where I think you'll find that stuff. And that's why the, the vending machine really kind of spoke to me. Because anyone could say, I'm a medium, I come from the astral realm, I have these magical powers, blah, 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 blah. But they would are easily noticeable, easily debunked, but if they are real, you wouldn't hear about them. The government would either buy them out or take them out. But if it's a vending machine sitting in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows about, that isn't in the newspaper, it's just a thing on a block that every so often a kid comes up to and goes, this is weird, isn't it? That I bought this soda and like this drink came out that I've never even heard of. This is bizarre. And the other kid's like, yeah, that is weird. And they just go about their business. And it doesn't become a sensation. That is possible. Now, again, we could go down the rabbit hole and say, at one point, back in 2002, when that first article was written, the machine was real. And it was really something abnormal 
And that machine was taken by the government and replaced with a lookalike machine that had the same qualities. But now we're just getting into weirdo tinfoil hat nonsense. (laughs) And we don't cover that on this show. I think the soda machine is a bust, but I do truly believe that if we want to find the answers to what's out there, we don't have to look to the sky. We don't have to look in the palm of our hand. We don't have to look at a medium or a psychic or an astrological chart. We just have to look at the things around us, pay attention to them, and see what's out of place. But the scariest thing about that is because the idea of alternate realities and traveling between them may be possible, one day you may be looking for those small changes around you, and you realize everything has changed. And you may become the outsider with a pocket full of odd coins. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.